Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, as we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, guys, coming in from Six Pack Discussions here, new episode, changing it up. Last week, we did a little bit more of a sensitive topic. I think it was illegal immigration. Prior to that one was school shootings, I think, or maybe I have those flip-flopped. But um, doing doing stuff that's a little bit more, I think, politicized. This is not really a politicized topic. Um, talking about... Nuclear power, really. No. Well, nuclear family power. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the family unit and um, how relevant the nuclear family is. Uh, we've talked about divorce, I think. We've talked yep. about different things. That like, was an early one. I think that was like yeah. episode four or five. We've talked about single family households. Um, today we're going to talk about, you know, nuclear families. Uh, Jared, want to introduce the beer real quick? Yeah. So today we're actually going to be drinking not necessarily a micro brew, but it is a little different. I actually, I've never seen this before. I was busting Cody's balls earlier today. This is Blue Moon's Light Sky Citrus Wheat. Yeah. Give it a try. So. I saw it on the shelf. I was like, you know what? Blue Moon, give it a uh, shout out, I guess. And also... Yep. Try out maybe one of their... Uh, yeah, help out Coors. You know, that's kind of a small company. <laughs> is that who Blue Moon is? Yeah. Like Coors? <laughs> <clears throat> Big company. Probably top three brewer in the world. <laughs> Dude, whenever... As a side note, whenever I lived in Colorado, I was... You know, I'm a jackass. I was like, yeah, can, can I get like something local? I'm thinking like a little Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guys would always look at you like... Well, especially in like Colorado, something yeah. local. I mean, you can get someone on a tangent like you would never believe. So anyways. Yeah. Right. Um, so Nuclear Family, man. Uh, I think this is, you know, we both grew up in uh, a little bit different family households, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, I had uh, brothers. My parents were together, of course. Um, I think I would say that I grew up in a, a, a nuclear family or a traditional family. Um, both my parents worked, but my dad was the primary kind of breadwinner. I think my mom, you know, worked on and off different jobs, but really was, you know, I think raising the children more so, but also had full-time jobs. Um, you know, every you know couple of years, she would probably have a different job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, a little bit different. You're kind of like a mixed family. Yeah, a lot different. Um, so let's see, my parents split when I was eight. Um then when I was nine or ten, uh, both my parents remarried. Then my dad got divorced. Then he remarried. Then he got divorced again. My mom remarried, and then we moved to Arizona. Yep. So, so you have a little bit of a, <laughs> a little different, than a little the, different, <laughs> a little different than the nuclear family for yeah. sure, which is good because you can offer your perspective right mm-hmm. on this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And so luckily we're not talking out of the exact same mouth here because it's totally two different kind of uh, childhood development. Yeah. But um, I I don't know if this helps maybe set some standards here, but I think most people are like, well, guys, what other type of families are there? Well, we just highlighted two of them right here, of course, but I didn't know all the different types. Did you kind of read through some of these? Dude, so are you talking about like the cohabiting? Yeah, there's lots of different types. That's an interesting one. Obviously the traditional single and they don't remarry. Yeah. So go through a couple of nuclear, of course, usually means that parents that are married with children in the same house, extended family. Um, this is usually a, a family that has um, relatives in close proximity or even living in the same dwelling, such as grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Um, this is actually very common. This is actually the most common in the world up until recently. Now, actually, it's funny that you just ended with in the world. Are we talking North America or more specifically 
the USA or are we talking European? Because I wouldn't say that's very common in US. No, no, it's just com- the most common in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was actually most very common in the in the US up until about a hundred years ago. Okay. Right. So it is it is common in, in all the way up until really World War One, World War Two, Industrial Revolution caused us to move away from that in America and mm. most of European countries. Um, <laughs> there's some you know different ones here. Complex families. This is where you have three or more adults living in the same household with children. This gets a little um, funky. Uh, Is it like little sister wives action or what? Well, it says that in some cases it may be due to divorce and remarriaging and having um, one of the husbands or ex-husbands, ex-wives still living in the dwelling because of complicatedness of finances and things. Mm. I didn't know that occurred, but apparently it does in America. Um, Or it says... (laughs) some type of polygamy is occurring <laughs> <laughs> um, where a male may have multiple wives. Uh, that's called what they call a complex family. Hey, or a female may have multiple husbands. That's true as well. Single parent families, which we've talked about in um, a full episode. Um, and that can of course occur because of divorce, death, uh, multiple different reasons. Step family. Yep. Um, you know, this is where you have almost like two families that are joined by a past marriage probably. Um, but really, they're you know steps brothers yeah, and sisters. Pretty bunch, yeah, exactly. Like lots of different siblings that are yeah. half maybe related or maybe not related at all. Uh, foster families. Then think about that one. I did not. No. Right. So you have a, a, a maybe probably a couple in most cases that decides to adopt or foster children temporarily, and so that would mean that you have a lot of children that are n- neither blood or law siblings. They just are kind of living together, brothers and sisters, foster brothers and sisters. Um, kind of an interesting ter- um, one. And then the last one is childless families, right? So still there is uh, tax benefits to married couples that uh, have no children in the U.S. So those are the kind of the eight different types of family structures that, <laughs> who knew? I thought there was just two or three. So lots of different ways to do yeah. it. Um, did you look into nuclear families, any kind of to do on that, any background specifically? <clears throat> so what I did is I actually kind of attacked this because I don't know. I maybe I'm a little weird in that I almost judge the the family off of the success of the family name and going forward, almost if you will, right? So what I'm talking about is more so the statistics on. Hey, if you are a single parent household, what are the likelihood that your childhood would graduate high school, mm. go to college, etc.? Um, you know, how does that different differentiate between the nuclear family or the you know the staying married family, right? What is the proper term? The nuclear family? But okay. nuclear family traditionally means mom, dad, daughter, son. No, doesn't, I mean, that doesn't matter. But that's, that's almost like the iconic American nuclear family. Boy, boy, girl, girl. It just really means a married couple yeah. with children, I think is just bare minimum. But um, so I actually looked at a lot of the uh, statistics around the success of the Different types of families, if you will. Yeah, no, I saw some of those things. I didn't go into the statistics of it, so I'd love for you to share them if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So this was really interesting. So the likelihood of someone repeating a grade, like a child repeating a grade, was only about six, six and a half percent in the traditional nuclear family. Repeating fourth grade because you can't read. Fourth, fifth, whatever grade. Yeah. yeah. Repeating a grade. What did it go up to? I see With it. With a mother bars. only. 20%. Oh my God. We're talking what? Three times? Three X? No. Isn't it 3% or what was the other so, one? So 
six percent to twenty. Oh yeah, so three x. Yeah, three x four. Yeah. Oh my. Isn't gosh. that crazy? And that's with a mother only in the household. Yep. Single family. So that was that was pretty wild. But I thought. Um, also, here's another one. It was uh, that I found interesting. This was just received a high school diploma. Ninety one percent of children that come from a nuclear family will receive a, a high school diploma. I was like, okay, cool. That drops down to let's see. 63% in an always single household. So 30% drop. Isn't Holy that wild? Shit. 30% delta there. So so almost half of children that are in single parent households compared to a nuclear will <laughs> not graduate. Almost <laughs> half. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um let's see. The one that I kind of got I remember this from our single parent household and maybe you have the stat but also uh, getting arrested or, or going to jail or prison, I believe, goes up like threefold. Yeah. Did you have that one at all? Um, so not in this particular study, but okay. I remember that from our, um, I believe that, was Single that the divorce household. episode? or Single parent okay. households. Um, here was another interesting one, I thought. Skipping class. Oh. And, and I'm going, the reason why I'm going into this is because we're eventually going to go into our opinions and way forwards, et cetera. So one study found that children whose parents divorced skipped class nearly 60% more time than children with intact families. You know, it feels like maybe the lack of supervision creates almost like uh, children that they don't have a, like a disciplinary, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Like I would imagine, and we know this, of course, most of the single parent households are single with Mothers. a mother. Yep. And I don't know if this is a generalization, but I think, in most cases, the disciplinary person in a married relationship or a nuclear family is probably going to be the father, right? The father is going to be the one that's probably going to be a little bit more um, going to act as the disciplinary in, in that relationship. In that relationship, so without a father there, it puts a lot on the mother to have to do, right? They not only have to be the caregiver and be, you know, <clears throat> raising the child and making sure that they grow and do all the things, but they also have to be mean sometimes. Yep, that's hard. We'll get into my opinion later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love this but stuff. Interesting data, though. No, no. I mean, I mean, the, just the the delta between those data points. I, I I couldn't believe it. Okay. So here's some here's some funny things. So the rise of the nuclear family, um, it peaked in the 50s and 60s. I don't know if you saw that. That is the highest amount of married couples with children in the U.S. that has ever occurred. And ever since then, it's went down. And ever before then, it was lower. Right. Um, so nuclear families peaked in the 50s and 60s. And this is with those iconic ads that you can kind of, if you close your eyes, you can kind of remember those iconic, like dad showing up in a suit, coming home. Honey, know, I'm home. Exactly. Yep. Kids running to the door, uh, you know, uh, turkey coming out of the oven or whatever. Yeah. Right. Those iconic ads. Tussle your little son's hair. Exactly. Yep. Um, so here, here's kind of some interesting things. Those nuclear families, um, what was the reason that it drove families in America to do this? Here's kind of the, the four bullet points that I kind of summarized that I thought were interesting. Um, nuclear families allow for freedom from absolute control from the eldest family member. So in previous generations, the eldest uh, uh, male in a family would essentially kind of have still control over the entire generation of children and their grandchildren. Right, so you can imagine whoever is kind of the, um, you know, Elder Willis, Elder Jones of the family, they would still kind of say, "Hey, uh, you need to, you know, work a little harder, Jared. You're not really pulling your weight, 
go ahead and, you know, you're going to work uh, on Saturdays now. And they would kind of provide guidance in those extended families. So nuclear families provided freedom from that. And I think a lot of people definitely, if you imagine 50s and 60s, that's when you're coming back from World War II, a little extra cash from the government in your pocket. You're going to go and move into the cities or the suburbs, right? So you're trying to get away from daddy and mommy or, you know, grandparents essentially, right? Who kind of are used to telling you to do stuff. Um <clears throat> Also, it allows for the family to take complete responsibility of running the home, which a lot of people were looking for. So in the past, you know, you kind of had usually a, a parent still living with you or siblings living with you. So this is the first time that you kind of had control with your spouse of running your entire household in America. Normally, there was somebody else always, you know, a parent normally of one side of the family. Um, more modern outlook, they said. Uh, also... There's an expectation in nuclear families that when your children get married, that they'll leave the household. That's not very common in an extended family. Usually they'll stay for a little while until they have enough money for a down payment or things like that. Um, So there's also that kind of generality is that nuclear families usually, if you have children, the expectation is, is, you know, whether it's after high school or college, as soon as you find somebody that you kind of like, you're kind of like kicking them out the door. Uh, That's not very common in other family type structures across mm-hmm. the world. So want to kind of summarize those a little bit. Um, let's see, percentage-wise, how many how many uh, families do you think are nuclear right now in the U.S.? Mm, I'm going to go 45. 40. 40%. Um, it has been going down every single year. Yeah. So uh, 40% right now in 2020 was the last uh, kind of stat. Um, 40, 40, uh, sorry, 44% in 2010. Ooh, okay. So you're 10 wow. years late, uh, 48% <clears throat> in 2000. So it's on a general trend downwards. Wow. So by what, I guess just by sheer data extrapolation, what by 2030, we're tracking to be 30%. 40, 36, 35. Um, well, if you're looking at 20 years, right, we've went down 18%. Oh, maybe I, I, I thought it was 48 to 44 to oh, 40. I'm so sorry. We went down 8%. Okay. You're right. Yeah. So 32. Uh, yeah. By 2040, yeah. Math is hard. Isn't it? Yeah. Man, see, that's why we have to do the the math on the third beer. That way we get an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> These are light beers, too. Yeah, I know. Um, let's see here. This is interesting. So uh, Pew Research, right? Very notable. I'll say that's about as reputable as yeah, it gets. Yeah, right. Um, households that live under the poverty line uh, that are uh, nuclear versus single parent. What do you want? To, you want to throw some stats out? Guess. All right. So, single uh, single, single parent. Okay. So nuclear first. Yeah. That live below the poverty line. I'm gonna say twelve percent. The anticipation is killing me. I need an answer. You know, the stats actually kind of. I didn't like how they just use this word. I didn't ask the question properly. It oh. says well above the poverty line. Ooh, how do they define well above? I know. I'm guessing it's probably... I would assume that's probably... Quintile. So well above, because isn't the poverty line two standard deviations away from uh, national average? No. I think it's the last quintile. So three? No. So if you divide up, it's the last quintile. I, I think it is. I think it's like the bottom 20%. Is poverty? Yeah. Below that line. Anyways, let me yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't ask that question properly here, guys. Um, but 
57% of households with married parents were well above the poverty line. So, you know, two-thirds, essentially, of people uh, that have married parents are, are well above. Only 21% of single-parent households were above. 21% are well above. Are poverty. well above, as opposed to 60-plus percent. Yeah. So we're talking another 3X statistic there. Yeah. So, so having two parents in a household is dramatic, especially from an income level. Well, you know, actually, I was just about to harp on that. <clears throat> Here's what's interesting, though, is they didn't say, like, a nuclear family isn't mom and dad both going to work. A nuclear family is just staying married. To your point earlier on how you introduced kind of your upbringing is is your mom almost took, like, more of the caregiver role uh-huh. in the house. So that was interesting because I don't think that's what it says is, you know, two incomes there. Now, it can, yeah, it can be two be. incomes, but what that affords you to do is obviously... In your situation right now, you're able to kind of work a little bit harder, work a little bit longer to obviously earn more money. Um, Interesting there, because it's not just meaning two incomes. So I just want our listeners to understand, well, no shit, guys. They're they're doubling their income. Well, I actually have the next number for this. Let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, transformation of American families over the last, uh, actually, 200 years, believe it or not. Um, So it's funny. they, They break it into four different categories. They call it a corporate family, which is the most common type of family. Prior to the eight, uh, let's say nineteen hundred, um, nineteen yeah nineteen hundred. So one hundred and twenty years ago, a corporate family was the most common. Let me define this because I didn't know what a corporate family I've was. I've never heard of that term yeah. actually. It's it was what they call a clan based economic unit, or a well yeah fam- that clears it up for me. Thanks. Or a family <laughs> farm or family store where the whole family works together to earn income. Oh, okay. So like ranchers, I could see that being a huge play in the Midwest. Yeah. So it's pretty rare here, but the entire United States used to be more agricultural based. Thus why 90% of families had this type of structure where everybody kind of contributed to the essentially income level for the full family. So this used to be 90% of the U.S. population. Um, It is down now to about seven to 8% of families run on this type of model. Very, very rare more of a Midwest type of culture yep. where, you know what, hey, you're you're eight years old, you're getting out on the tractors and you're helping farm the cornfields, that kind of stuff. So very rare. Um, the next most common type of family income is what they call a dual earner type of um, uh, relationship. Like Br- Brittany and I. Yes, exactly. You guys are a dual earner type of relationship. Uh, you guys fall into the uh, about 40%, uh, almost 50% actually, uh, of American um, families have a dual earner relationship where both 50%. Yes. So um, that would wow. be, yep. Oh, let me make sure I understand this. Statistic. So of married couples. Yeah. Uh, it says okay. families actually. Okay. Uh, oh, interesting. It, I don't know. You guys do fall into a family. Yep. So I think that still counts. You guys would fall into that category. Okay. Um, male breadwinner. This means a, uh, Male only working family. So this would be like my family, right? As of recently, um, my wife quit her job. And so I am now considered the breadwinner. She is taking care of the kiddos. I fall into a group of about 30% of Americans. So 30% of families uh, fall into this category. And then the last category is about 8%, uh, which is female breadwinners, meaning the male either stays at home or it could be most some likely a single family parent. So I'm going to invite our listeners to just roast my ass in the comments on this one. Yeah. I thought that the term breadwinner meant that 
if I make $50,000 a year and Brittany makes $30,000 a year, I'm the breadwinner. As I bring home more? the majority of the money. Is that not the, the correct definition of breadwinner? I think I think so. I, but breadwinner just means that you're bringing home the income to make it a stable hit financially, I think. So I think if she would have quit your job, are you really the breadwinner if you if your, your entire financials collapse? Probably not. Mm. So you guys are contributing to the bread, right? So let's say you guys, for example, decide to way over buy on a house, way over buy on cars. I like it. Right? And, you know, let's say 70% of your income monthly goes to debt. <clears throat> um, I would throw up. I know, but let's say that happens. <laughs> um, Done. And she quits her job and you can't afford your cars or your house anymore, I don't think you're considered the breadwinner. You see what I'm saying? I do. I, like I said, I just thought it was, if I bring in 51000 and she brings in forty nine, I'm the breadwinner. I, I just thought it was whoever brought in the more money. So maybe I'm wrong, but... Yeah, I don't, maybe. I just assumed that it's like this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else in here before we introduce the beer a little bit more? I got some pros and cons. We'll get through those yep. in the second group here. Um... Did you know that the nuclear family was really kind of something that came out of World War II? That's why it's called nuclear? No shit. I didn't know that. There's no such thing as a nuclear family prior to World War II, really. And it's funny because this the stat that I just shared about how the family made money backs all that up, right? The corporate family. Cousins, uncles, brothers, and sisters would all work on the family farm. That's any interesting, right? But that's why the nuclear family comes out of when the nuclear bomb was created, 1945. Right? So 50s and 60s is when the nuclear family existed, really. And that was kind of the picturesque family. But before that, there was no picturesque family. It was really your grandparents would be living in the same house. So this is a very new phenomenon. Hmm. New? New information there for you? Uh, it was. I, that did not come across my research, man. That's okay. an interesting one. I like that. All right. So, introduce the beer. Yeah, it's taking beer time. Okay. So, like I said, guys, this is uh, Blue Moon's Light Sky Citrus Wheat. Um, <laughs> brewed with a tangerine peel. 3.6 carbs, 95 calories. This is so unlike any beer we've ever done on this show. 4%, buddy. Yeah, I, I need this 4%, like, like you read about. The thought of recording... After coming back from vacation, sounds like my personal hell, honestly. Well, honestly, this beer is like not beer at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you taste this, and this is the lightest like, beer we've I'm ever actually, had. I'm actually really surprised you didn't hit me with like a double or triple IPA just to be a jackass. This just caught my eye, which tells me they're doing a good job. I was like, oh, look at that light sky, kind of cool little packaging. Um, no real fun story. Nothing, nothing cool on here. Maybe on the box, um, but. Guys, uh, this is probably in every market. I bet, I'm guessing this is everywhere. You know, Blue Moon distributes everywhere. I could drink this six-pack by myself without issue. <clears throat> yeah, so this is a beer. You can have that six-pack. You can have it on the golf course. You can have it going ATVing. I guess I'm not allowed to legally endorse having that ATV. I don't know, whatever. As a passenger. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, this, this is a beer. This is just a classic light beer. I mean, honestly, all these people that are diehard Coors Light fans or Bud Light fans or Michelob Ultra fans, I think they're all full of shit. I think it all tastes the same. This with a little hint of 
tangerine or citrus wheat, whatever the hell it is. So I will say, I, I don't, Blue Moon does not catch my fancy at all. I really? Will, I will not drink Blue Moon. This is very nice. When's the last time you had a Blue Moon then? Because I wonder if maybe your taste buds have changed. Because I think this is, honestly, this is no different than like a Bud Diesel fuel and a Bud Light. This just tastes like a, 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 a tamed. I don't know what a Bud Diesel fuel is. You never heard of Budweiser's diesel fuel? Mm-mm. The red Budweiser is commonly referred to as diesel fuel. I guess I'm out with the cool Lis- Listeners, let them know. Yeah, it's diesel fuel. <laughs> I get all you never these, had a hand me a diesel? I get no. I've, oh, I get all these hate yeah. comments. You you oh. run an epi- a, a podcast called Six Pack Discussions, and you don't know what <laughs> Budweiser diesel, diesel fuel is. Oh. I just found this out. Budweiser, the traditional red can, is still the most commonly drinking beer in America. More, no way. That's what I said. That's what I said. It see it it sells more cans than any other beer still. Hold on. Like Budweiser, the brand, or I'm talking like the red. The red American can, which I'm like, I've never bought. I have never purchased Budweiser traditional in my life. Have you? Like, actually went to the store and bought it? I don't even know what it tastes like. No, no, no. I'm actually trying to think, I don't think if I've anyone ever... in our friend group, my family group, your family group, anyone. I don't think I've ever seen anyone drink a Bud. Bud Heavy. Bud Light. Oh yeah, Bud Light, but a Bud Heavy. Now you're making up diesel fuel. (laughs) You've never heard of Bud Heavy. People refer to it as Bud Heavy. Yes. Holy shit! I am out of the beer club, I guess. Oh. Um. Anyways, but yeah, I think this is just kind of a watered down Blue Moon. Um. So I'm going. I'm going four zero on this. Oh, Cody, Cody, shit. Do you have? (laughs) No respect for the microbreweries that we have put on through the test through 60 some odd episodes. This is a great beer. 360 plus beers have been consumed on this podcast. And you're going to have the audacity to put blue moons in the fours. Good math there. 60 times six. Yeah. Uh, this is a great beer. Oh my god! Okay, so what do you like? I it, dude, I think it's a fine drinking beer, but whenever I put a beer in the fours, this is like, hey guys, you've got to try this. I know. So, but so I guess I have two different spots that I put. I I power rank right. So I guess power <laughs> rankings. There's two different things here, right? You can power rank because you have a good taste, but you can also power rank on my book if I can drink a lot of you. And this is a beer. Okay, okay. Now right? that's interesting. Now, now, if we're going by that, I would agree with you because you can drink a lot of these. But, but not only drink a lot, but also be very satisfied with your choice. Yeah, this like, is a solid, solid drinking beer. You know what I'm saying? Like you could, on a poker night, you could have a dozen of these and yeah. still play your cards right at the end of the hand. Don't be telling people we drink a dozen. They'll be thinking we're binge drinkers or something. Oh, yeah. But what do you think? No, man, what are so, you ranking this? In, dude, your, in your ranking schedule, don't my mine. No, 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 mine. I, I, won't, I yeah. won't. In mine, I'm going solid 3-1. Okay. 3-1. Because so, I think it's a good tasting beer, but I just can't disrespect these hard-earned brewmasters <laughs> that, have, that have created some unique flavor profiles. All this is is they took a Blue Moon, added a shit ton of water to it, 
and I then don't think they did because they're, and, they can't and keep it at four percent. You, you know, in those you know in those nice uh, those nice hotels where they have like the infused water with the cucumbers and shit. So they took a watered down blue moon and they ran it through some tangerine peels. Evidently, <laughs> and they created citrus beef. You know what I think is hilarious, right? And I'm I'm probably pretty right on this. I think there is multiple brewmasters making this beer, mm-hmm. and they're probably scientifically making this to like the nth degree mm-hmm. compared to some of the microbreweries that you're referring to. Like they are actually probably being very, very scientific with how they brew this beer. Yep. Okay. So Cody. Oh boy. Would you say you're a pretty good chef, right? I just feel like No, I need you to answer my question. I am. Yep. I, I would say you're damn good. I've had many years. Let's go with tacos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually seen you make tacos in my lifetime probably a hundred times. Okay. Right? Yeah. I've never once seen you, to use your coined phrase, scientifically measure out the cilantro or the salt or the meat or the anything, actually. I, I don't think you even own a measuring cup. <laughs> Am I wrong, actually? You might own one. What you <laughs> you were, yeah. But then whenever I'm walking through Costco and I see... The prepackaged carne asada tacos. These are likely mass produced by some food chemist <laughs> down to the nth degree of salt and pepper and lime and all this other shit that goes into tacos. So I'm not going to say who I prefer. I'm actually curious to see what you prefer. Since it evidently matters and these brewmasters scientifically make this beer. I think... Love does matter a little bit, and there's a bit of love in some food and some beer, apparently. And Jared is correct. I like I like your point. All right, I like how you I'll brought it, it home. I'll I like rest how it. you brought it home <laughs> on that one. Um, guys, go check it out. Yeah, uh, no, Moon, honestly, this is guy. this is a good day drinking beer. Like yeah. you're you're gonna be really happy with with a six pack of these at the pool. Pool right now it's cooling down. I don't care. Buy a bonfire. Um, yeah, it's Arizona. We can still do pools. <laughs> we can still do it. Uh, it's it's what we call consider an ice bath. It's it's seventy two degrees now, <laughs> right? You got. I literally had two of my coworkers. They showed up in a fucking pullover to the office. I'm oh, like, I, I wore my sweater today, buddy. No, you did. I was one of those guys. <laughs> no, I I wore it just for the morning. You know, I woke up and I, and I got in the garage and worked out this morning, and I was chilly. I put a jacket on, put a little sweatshirt on. Um, I like wearing a sweatshirt too when I work out when it's just a little chilly. Just make sure I sweat. Yep. Um, and I sweat great. Are you no longer going to mountainside? I am. But in the morning, sometimes I'll work out in the garage. I, I got to show you. I got a little little setup in there. Nice. It's pretty nice. Cool. I don't need to show me that. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> couple things. Pros, cons. I want to run you through the pro cons and then we'll get into some opinions here. Okay. So, pro cons. Um, from what I was able to I don't know, disseminate, is that the right word? Or no, what I was able to, I don't know, gather. Sometimes these words don't come out of my tongue properly. Pros. Pros for nuclear families. Almost deduct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dual income, larger disposable incomes, financial stability. Duh. Um, more likely in a nuclear family than most other types of families. Um, not saying every type, but, um, you know, even comparing to uh, complex families, families that have, uh, you know, mixed families, there seems to be less financial stability because of the possible um, 
collapse of the family, uh, somebody leaving Jared's situation, you know, his family, like it was, it's very challenging, you know, especially with your mother, I'm sure. How are we going to pay for things, you know, next year now that we don't know this current situation? Um, so just having dual income, financial stability seems to be a little bit more stable in nuclear families. Uh, more freedom and privacy uh, in nuclear families compared to extended families. So extended families are still the most common, of course, out there uh, and were most common in the, in the U.S. until recently. You could imagine having both grandmas, uh, you know, a grandpa maybe that's still alive, uncle, a couple cousins, maybe a, a an uncle or, sorry, an aunt or something. The house is never empty, right? Um, I think a lot of cultures, you know, and a lot of cultures, especially in Arizona, deal with this where the house is never empty. Uh, there's not really much privacy. Um, husband and wife can never really have um, just that conversation over dinner when the kids go to bed, you know, and so that kind of stuff is is, is a pro, I think, in a nuclear family. Um, family bonding. So something that comes in a nuclear family that a lot of people have kind of envisioned, I think, in the nuclear family is that husband, wife, you are able to grow appreciation to each other because you are depending on each other, but also you show your children that your parents have to work through things and that hopefully creates the next generation to understand that there are challenges and we work through it, you know, as a team almost. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> also, this is kind of interesting, confident women. So they uh, they found that uh, the nuclear family hmm. created a lot of um, uh, what they would say more confident women going into a career field um, and becoming even financially independent, more assertive, um, prior to that, a lot of times women were not part of any of the decisions within the family. Um, usually it was multiple generations of males making decisions within an extended family. If you could imagine, if you were running a multi-acre farm, running a family business, the male who passes on that business or that farm or whatever is just probably passing it on to their eldest son. And so the females, unfortunately, don't ever receive any type of um, financial kind of assertiveness almost like they're never really able to afford themselves anything unless they have a male. And so I guess the nuclear family actually creates more confident women. Pretty, pretty neat pros, right? What do you think about those? Very, I mean, undeniable, indisputable. Okay. I mean, you can easily get there. There was none of those, none of those pros. I don't think our listeners like, Oh shit. It's one of those things just kind of reaffirming what you think, but you just haven't thought about, you know, all the different second and third order effects. Right. Now I do think the cons are going to be, Oh shit moments. No, let's hear it. They were oh shit moments for me. Nuclear families can develop like-minded thinking. Didn't see that coming, did you? Prior to research, no. So, nuclear families, unfortunately, and fortunately, you can say, you know, they're, they're, but in general, what happens is because you're in a limited group, you're going to have groupthink, right? And you're, you're essentially father, mother, kids, the kids are going to have similar ideals to the parents in most cases. Um, and so viewpoints and learning to deal with outside opinions and conflicts can be very challenging compared to having extended families or complex families or step pipe families where you have to deal with a lot of different types of ideals and viewpoints and conflicts. So they did find that people, your kids that grew up in nuclear families just don't deal with conflict very well. What do you think about that one? Makes sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, and it's going to come out in my opinion a little bit later. 
you know, it's one of those things, man, where if you don't have any adversity to overcome, it's not necessarily your fault. But if you have no adversity, you're kind of soft. You can't help it. It's not like you can manufacture adversity, right? And this is actually something very odd. I've been thinking about how to do that. So it's weird, right? Now that I have a boy and a girl, yeah. right? I've been thinking about it more and more ever since I had my son. Mm-hmm. And he's little. <laughs> I mean, he's all of yeah, four months old. If <laughs> but I, but I've been thinking about it. You know, I think I think any person starts thinking about this kind of stuff is how do I make? Because not only did I have you know a fairly easy childhood, like I'm not going to say it was com- it was it was challenging, at least to my father's child, uh, child uh, uh, growing up, to his father's, and so I look at it as every generation, especially of males, has gotten easier and easier. And I'm now looking at giving my son an even easier path. And to your point, making him softer than me and my, mm-hmm. my father. And I look at that and I say, I'm doing him a disservice. So how can I make it challenging? And it's funny because there's a couple of new programs, um, not like workouts or anything like that, but there's a couple of uh, companies that are starting to get um, followings to actually bringing that kind of adversity to your family where you can sign up and you join these like uh, you know, multi-week things where you go, it's more of like, I guess survivalist almost type stuff where you just have to like get yelled at, get woken up abruptly. I'll have to show it to you after this because it's very interesting. And I got a school that does great things for survival training, wake you up abruptly <laughs> and making you do a lot of pushups. It's funny because in I, Colorado, these guys are all military <laughs> ex guys and they're saying, Hey, that's exactly what we're trying to do is not raise a generation of soft individuals. So there's the first one. Um, makes sense. Second one. It, it, it's kind of interesting because when you have more freedom and privacy, what do you also get more of? Attention. No. Oh, so you have more freedom and more privacy and more privacy you get more loneliness and more isolation. So when you have a small family unit and not extended family members, unfortunately, especially with working parents, what happens with children? Usually you have little to no time to spend with children. So children sometimes become very independent. They only get to see their parents or other family members for a couple hours a day. Compared to extended families, there's always grandma at home. Every single hour I'm not in school, I get to see a family member. Um, and so in, in many cases, the, the con with a nuclear family is that, uh, there's a lot of TV or using of gadgets to fill in the void of not having additional family members to, um, spend time with, learn games with, learn cultural items with. So that's a con is there's a lot of loneliness and isolation. And I think of that, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have a depression and anxiety issue that is rampant in young America right now. And I'm thinking that makes sense. Mm. Interesting, right? Very, very, I mean, that's that's about as true as true gets. Yeah. Last one, and then uh, I got a couple interesting takes, and we'll go start going through our opinions here. Um, <clears throat> work-life balance. And it's kind of the same issue, right? Yeah. Um, so couples aiming to grow their personal and professional spheres. in uh, nuclear families sometimes are very competitive with other nuclear families. Uh, and they have difficulty meeting the needs of the family, meaning if child child falls sick, meeting deadlines for work, daycare, school, uh, holidays, not matching up with work holidays. And we know this, right? We know plenty of people that, you know, have to prioritize or unprioritize their work versus family relationship. 
where if you're in a uh, more extended family relationship, you have a, a family structure to depend on, you know, where you can say, hey, no worries, grandma's got this. Uh, you know, right now, I got grandpa over here <laughs> yeah. helping out, right? Helping my wife. And so those are things that I think a lot of people almost, um, it makes it easier. And and I, I've been fortunate enough, and we'll get into our opinions about this. Me and my wife have been extremely fortunate to be able to have our grandparents around to help out. So Your parents, yeah. Your children's grandparents, yeah. Yeah, not my grandparents. And Benjamin. Yeah, my parents and their, or, yeah. I didn't want to say, I guess I should, our parents. That's what I should have yep. said, our parents. Um, okay, any pros, cons? That was all kind of self-explanatory. But <laughs> One helpful. of the ones that uh, I saw, it, it was just, I don't, I don't know how I felt about it. One of the cons that I came across was nuclear families are seen as non-progressive. Because the nuclear family is the mom and dad and kids. Right. Okay. To whereas it's not same sex marriage with kids and, and things like that. So nuclear families can almost have a negative stigma associated with them with their non progressiveness. See, I don't like that because it, No, that bothered me. Like yeah. I think. <clears throat> I watched some things. I actually watched a couple of videos on people asking I think there's a lot of gay couples that have been very cautious. Um Gay couples meaning two males, I think. Um, I saw multiple interviews, actually, with gay couples asking, um, I guess, family experts. I don't know the right terminology. Maybe psychologists, family psychologists. You know, if we want to adopt a child, what should we be on the lookout for? And so I watched, actually, a couple of these videos, and it seemed like there was just a lot of cautionary tales. Like, hey, just so you know, and this is interesting, males and females provide totally different upbringings. And when you have two males, you over-exaggerate some characteristics and you under-exaggerate other characteristics in the children. Mm-hmm. And and one of the examples that comes to mind here, which is hilarious because I already see this happening so much more just in my family. Fathers induce rough and tumble play 100% more than mothers. With both, with both their daughters and their sons. Women do not want to do this. This is not, you know, guys, this is outliers, of course, do it. But on average, the guy, the, the psychologist person, I forget who it was, was saying, guys, studies show mothers never incite this. Children sometimes will incite their mother to do it, but mothers will never try to have rough and tumble play. Fathers want to do that. And what it does is it, uh, it allows children specifically sons, they said, but it happens with daughters as well, to understand the boundaries of emotions. So when you're, when you're fighting and play fighting, you know mm. when to cry, <clears throat> when to be more aggressive. You know, so it, it creates almost boundaries for what is allowed in a relationship. Hmm. Who, who would have known that? The psychologists do some really cool shit, man. They, they, they're able to like little rationalize everything about how we do and why we do it. And it makes so much sense because all this, all this whole time, and I do this with, of course, Lillian because she's old enough to do this. I say, if you're if you're rough and tumble with Maverick, hey. uh, I know. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe you're manufacturing some adversity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he has two black eyes. No, no, but Lillian, um, Lillian, um, I can tell that she doesn't know when it's our when she's hurt, and when she's having fun when we're doing that, cause like, you know, we'll play around and roll around the ground and stuff. And I can tell, like I do something that doesn't hurt her, but she's like, this is more aggressive than I'm used to. So she starts crying. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, are you really hurt? No. 
because she's trying to figure out her left and right boundaries. Yeah. Right? It's it's definitely some learning that's that's occurring there. And right there, if you have a couple of women, and of course there's outliers here, they would never induce that in their children. And that's what I that's what he was trying to allude is, is that there is there are challenges that you have to be prepared to go outside of your normal bubble <clears throat> if you want to bring children up the proper way. Or or a way that at least is Helpful, I should say, yeah. not the proper way. Oh, I got you. And then also another one was interesting, and I guess you kind of touched on it, but just the words weren't expressed explicitly, I guess, is uh, lack of conflict resolution skills developed. Oh, yeah. Because you grew up in a family to where, you know, you know 10, 20, 30 plus year marriage, your parents rarely, if ever, argued, or if they did, it was very quick. Right, it's kind of the thought process, there. or behind closed doors in some cases. Yep, which is actually a problem. But it's it's really funny because you know there's like these family rules, like never argue in front of the children. That actually, is not always bad. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not always good. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. Here's here's my problem with that is you're literally making it seem, and you're faulting people for staying together, for working through their shit amicably, right? That's how it must be that. You're, you're punishing your kids because you don't see knockdown drag out fights. I don't know, but. No, no, I, I think I'm, I'm following. I think, I think it makes sense to kind of fight in front of your children for some things, but not all, all things. And that's what you're trying to say right now, right? You're saying, yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, because they don't get to understand, you know, what conflict actually looks like. And, and this is where it's actually kind of frustrating because I almost view this as, you know, the the white privilege or the male privilege, you know, all these things like this nuclear family is almost viewed like, oh, they never have to deal with anything. Their lives are just cake. Oh, from a statistical standpoint, you come from a nuclear family. But that statistic, what it was supposed to show is that you also had to move, what, three times growing up? Four times. You know, from what? Washington, Texas, California to Arizona, yeah, right? Four times. I guess I can't count. But I'm in my third year, so I'm allowed to screw up the math, right? Yeah. So what they won't get is, heck, you were in a, let's call it, not so hot area of California, right? To where you had a realization as an adult, like, holy shit, I'm so glad my dad got me out of this area. Yeah. So that's what bothers me is it's almost this privilege-esque. that It's almost being tainted like, oh, you came from a nuclear family. And all of these statistics, and I understand you know, through our various episodes, through divorce and through, um, what was the other one that we kind of touched on this? Single family household? Single family. Yeah. We did touch on this. And guys, there are undeniable facts. But to make the assumption or the con, if you will, of lack of conflict resolution, lack of diversity and, and all this stuff, I think that's wrong. And I think we're overgeneralizing a statistic there. Well, I think, I think you can have, you know, we're not perfect and there's no perfect system, right? There's no perfect family structure or anything like that. Um, and I think, I don't know if I completely agree with you. I, I think, um, while you were saying that, I was thinking, I, I'm all right with not having conflict resolution because I had 
two parent figures. Like, I'm, okay, I'm, okay, I'd rather have that situation. And I think most people would look back and say, yeah, you know what? I wish I had my mom in my house. I wish I might have my dad in my house. Like, I think most people would prefer that situation. I don't think anyone's looking back and saying, yeah, you know what? I wish I didn't have one of my parents in the house. And even having both parents in the household and having siblings perhaps, I get it. I'm going to get some weaknesses because of conflict. Resolution. But I don't, I, don't know. I don't think they're looking at it as a privilege. You think they're really looking at it as a privilege? There was just some of the wordings of the cons on my list, like I said, those two, I don't know. That that just really bothered me that we're going to say lack of conflict resolution and not very progressive thought. Yeah, As a con, like that's wrong, I it, think. It's a con, but whatever. You know what? Honestly, I, I'd rather have that con than have the cons that are associated with, say, the others. Like we talked about single parents. I think I'd rather have a little conflict resolution problems than not graduating high school, than being in jail three times more likely, than having to repeat a grade. You see, like, the cons that on that side of the fence suck so bad that I'm all right with having some of the baggage with being in a nuclear... Like, yeah. you see what I'm trying to say? No, yeah, I hear you. I get what you're saying. You're, you're feeling like there's attacking towards it almost? It, it just bothers me where... You think they're trying to, like, straw man it I never like whenever people get judged for shit that they can't control. You uh, can't control that you're a male. You can't control that you're white. You can't control that your parents didn't get divorced. So it bothers me whenever people either take credit or take blame for something that they can't control. That that's yeah. where I have a real soft spot for. That makes sense. No, I do. I do too. I don't like that either. I especially don't like. And we know people. They 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 like to pick on uh, non controllable attributes. That's wrong. Yeah, those those are challenging things. I think some things you can work through, but those are not. Those are non. Those are controllable, right? Um, how much hair you have, how tall you are, can't what color that. skin you are. Can't Those are all things you can't control. Nope. Should never be used for any type of, I guess, <laughs> unfortunately though, some of them are used. If you think about it, uh, like think of basketball, how tall you are, but it's more athletic. If there right. was some four foot guy that could actually dunk, you're going right. to be able to do it. But yeah, I mean, that's why I think yeah. it's so, it's so wrong to make fun of someone for, yeah. Being bald or, or discount it or their color skin or whatever it may be like. Yeah. Why? No, you can make fun of him being an asshole. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'll I endorse that and I love the jokes. Yeah. But to make fun of someone for something that they can't control, I, I think it's just dead wrong. hundred percent. hundred percent. So um, that's where I guess where I just got a little, maybe I'm a little too sensitive to it, honestly, because you know, the statistics, I mean, dude, you know, with, you know, kind of the cards that I was dealt on, yeah. you know, uh, at birth. And then, of course, you know, with the divorce and, and all that bullshit. I was like, well, <laughs> might as well just punch my ticket outside of middle school right now. <laughs> like, you well, know what I mean? that, what, but also that means that you're really good at conflict resolution, apparently. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <clears throat> you also probably don't have feelings of loneliness. I do, apparently. <laughs> you see, like, there, there's two different stories, right, to every single coin. That's what I'm kind of hearing here. And I think there's pros and cons to every one of these. And what we're going to get into is, is is it actually the best one out of all of them? I think that's what we're trying to get to, yeah, right? right? I don't want to say that just yet. I want to give you two things, which are kind of fun, interesting. Um, I think you're really going to like one of them. The other one, I don't think you're going to like as much. So one of them is, and I got to read this because honestly, it's, it's kind of complicated here. So I, I read this and I've been thinking about this the last two days and I tried to find more on it, but there's not that much. So uh, evolutionary 
biologists or evolutionary theologists, I don't know the right terminology for them, but uh, scientists uh, that study human evolution, anthropology, how humans have kind of developed culture, developed civilizations, they have looked at humans and figured out, okay, what would be the best type of family model based on how we have evolved over, let's say, tens of thousands of years? And what they say that what they have found is that the only strategy that would have made sense for reproduction is a cooperative family structure. In comparison to other apes and other mammals, we humans bear relatively large numbers of children in quick succession, meaning that the females can literally get pregnant within months of giving birth. This is somewhat rare in large apes and some mammals that have larger offspring, such as humans, right? Um, our children are also highly dependent on adult provisioning for an unusually long time compared to all other mammals and, and comparable to other apes. So what it essentially means is that women, females, can have a child that is highly dependent on their uh, on their requirements, like what they need to eat, uh, learning, all these things. And we know this, right? Babies are pretty much, I want to say the word useless, but that's not the proper terminology. They're, they're pretty much incapable of living by themselves for three, four years. Maybe, maybe longer, or maybe longer, but really bare minimum, they're they're not able to do anything for three, four years. Meaning that you have to feed them, you have to water them, you have to do all these things, right? <clears throat> Yet you can have for three or four children within that period of time that can take a lot of resources from the mother. It doesn't make sense evolutionarily. The only reason this would occur is if there was a group supporting that mother birthing children. So as a species, we rely heavily on social learning and other family and group members to support children to develop the skills necessary to be productive and raising additional children in the future. That kind of gets me thinking. I'm like, ooh, does a nuclear family make sense? Because would we be able to use, a, would a nuclear family exist in a more challenging environment? If we didn't have all of the niceties of civilization hmm. could we right now right now my family right now we have some tight they're close they could be way much closer my children right oh yeah right they could be much closer <clears throat> anna was ready to have another baby you know a couple months later <clears throat> heck i'm trying to convince her for our third one and she's four months past due with our last one so could we do that though a thousand years ago Jared just shook his head, and that's a no. We couldn't, huh? No. But could we have done it if my grandparents, my brothers, were all in my tribe? Clan, yeah. Yes. You and Brittany, mm -hmm. part of my clan. Hmm. There would be other females that were past their bearing ages that were able to support. Lillian would grow up to that point where now she could take care of other siblings. Right. <clears throat> Interesting, right? So, huh. Okay, I'm going to put that on the table. I'm going to give you one more thing, and then we'll kind of talk through it. How about that? Okay. This is a little bit different. <laughs> okay, let's talk through this. Let's talk yeah, I mean, this. it's just one of those yeah. things where, I mean, what we try to do is, you know, with a lot of these 
And I wouldn't say this is touchy, but no. we, we know no bounds, evidently, with what we've <laughs> been willing to put on air. But what we do try to do is is try to get to almost the root. And, and as Cody's already alluded to even at this episode, is there are outliers with everything. Always will be, always have been. But also there's something to say is how, you know, people, men, women, et cetera, are foundationally wired. Right. Like what we've needed to do, you know, our primal instincts, if you will. Yeah. And that's why I said a thousand years ago, would this work? Yeah. Huh. And I look at this and as soon as I read that, I was like, holy shit. I, I, we're a nuclear family, of course. Right. So I'm already voting for it. Why wouldn't yeah. I be? Because yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I am, right? I, I am part of that group right now. And so I'm like, hoorah, let's get this thing making it work, right? Of course it's the best. And then I read that, I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute here. Right now, I have a grandparent in the house helping me. Mm-hmm. Right? I have a grandparent in my house three, four times a week sometimes, right? My parents, my father-in-law. And I look at that, I'm thinking, okay, well, when we first had Lillian... I hired my sister-in-law to come help us out because we were both working mm-hmm. to take care of Lillian. And I'm looking at all those things and I'm like, maybe we're not supposed to just be two parents and children. Maybe it would be a lot easier with extended family members. That's hmm. where I'm kind of I'm kind of moving towards a little bit. Like almost anti. Nuclear family almost. Not anti. I think it is a, I think it's good. In general, I'm going to say that a nuclear family is good compared to most alternatives. But I think an extended family might be the best. That's where, and I'll, I'll, I have some things to back that up. Yeah, I mean. I, oh. Huh. Okay. All right. Second one. Okay. Housing. Only 1% of the nation's housing is currently equipped to meet the needs of senior citizens. I'm going to put that first stat. But just put that in your mind right now. We have an aging population of older individuals, and only 1% of the nation's housing is ready for them. And this uh, is... Hold on. What, what? Meet the needs. What does that mean? So... um. I didn't go down the rabbit hole beer here, but what I did see is because I don't buy that bullshit at all. Accessibility is an issue. So, um, for example, showers, things like that, getting in and out of them are sometimes challenging without extra bars and things like that. And so, most single family homes are built with the idea that you're going to be a fairly fit individual, and you don't need any of those things. So, accessibility was something. Um, you know, stairs are common in most family, single family homes. Yeah, so. but see, I wouldn't automatically dis. I know, I know. But I, I'm just letting you know that's what the stats say. Yeah, but uh, that's what pisses me off about statistics is you can literally make them say whatever the hell you want with improper wording. Yeah, and really what I was actually looking at is housing. Because right now they say that um, the housing uh, in America is not fitting the general Need family to- needs. And so that was one. The next thing is single adults living alone account for 28% of U.S. households. But more than 80% of the nation's homes and apartments were built with two or more bedrooms. So we have a 
we have an excess of rooms, but not an excess of dwellings, right? And also dwellings that are not properly built for older generation if they were living by themselves. And so what I find is, and what really what happened is because of the nuclear family, we have a lot of single family homes. That's really what happened. Single family homes, three bedroom, four bedroom homes. We don't have families that big. So now we have a bunch of homes that don't actually fit the needs of there. So they're actually thinking that there's like kind of almost like a housing crisis or a surplus of rooms, thus increasing the cost of dwellings and why there might be a housing cost challenge. And we know that right now. Clearly. Right? We know that buying a house is almost impossible for even a small family wanting a small house. It's going to cost you a lot more. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Okay, so where, where, double where are you sitting at on nuclear families? Good, bad, indifferent? Do you think it's just overall good for America? Where are you at? You know, where I'm sitting, to answer your question, is I am pro-nuclear family. Okay. I think the pros far outweigh the cons. I think the results from their offspring, as far as you know, them becoming contributing members of society and succeeding, et cetera. Again, the statistics are borderline irrefutable. Yeah. Right. Compared to single family, I should say. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Or single parent. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to. Well, I understand your your point of view or your perspective as far as you know to include the extended family to almost uh, adapt and evolve with the extended family i.e., you know, the, the help from the grandparents and the yeah. sister-in-laws and shit like that. I'm all for that. But what I'm afraid to do is I'm afraid to make an opinion and they're going to hear what I'm not saying. Like, oh, well, Jared's not a fan of the nuclear family. So then, therefore, I'm okay with, you know, single moms, single dads, raising families, raising kids and shit yeah. like that. Because I'm not, because again, you know, the, the data's out there. It's... <laughs> It's alarming. No, 100%. But what do you think about, sorry, what do you think about having the additional families live in the house? Family members, parents, so siblings, your offspring with their husband and wife before they can buy a house. So let's say, let's say Lillian, right? Yep. She finds a husband and they're like, hey, hey, um, Mr. Willis. Hopefully he speaks to me like that, right? Hey, Mr. Willis, um, you know, I, I, I'm not really into debt. And, you know, you've told me that, you know, I, you should really buy a house before I start wasting my money on rent or something like that. And um, would you mind if we live in your house rent-free for the next two years while we save up for our down payment? See that I just I think I hit a chord with you on two different fronts there. I know I? you played intentionally. <laughs> that I'm not a fan of that. Thanks, Dick. Um. So here's, I guess to to use the the new coin term, manufactured adversity. Right now, you and Anna can live. I'm sorry, you guys can go on, within reason, of course, damn near any vacation 
you so choose, probably next Friday. You could fly to anywhere in the world. You could do anything if you really wanted to. If push came to shove, you could, right? Because you both have worked your ass off to get to where you're at right now, and you've been rewarded handsomely, right? Yeah. Was it always that way? I mean, you guys have been together for, what, 10 years now? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have been, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, 10, 10 years, and whenever you were 20 years old? No way. Couldn't something really. tells me you, you couldn't really... Nah. You know, it feels like we so, could do it more actually easily, though, but no. I, I know, but I'm yeah. talking outside of kids, right? I'm yeah, talking yeah. just a, a, a sheer... Numbers game. Numbers, exactly. Yeah. So didn't that almost make you appreciate it a little bit more? Whenever you're able to take your wife... Uh, where'd you guys go on your baby moon? It's down there in the southeast in the Caribbean. Um, where'd you go on your baby moon? You know, Bar- not Barbados. Come on. Uh, Cayman Island. Thank you, Cayman Islands. Didn't it make the Cayman Islands a little sweeter knowing how hard you worked to know that you could, you know, not only have you and, but also your lovely wife soon to be, you know, mother of your child. Yeah. It almost makes it a little sweeter. Like shit, I have to pay for rent and I have to save for house. Like it means more whenever this opportunity, Hey, I'm going to let you live rent free for two years. Do whatever you got to do. Groceries, fuck it. Utilities, don't worry about it. Wi-Fi, I know you're going to use it. No, just save your money. Do you think they're going to take care of that house? Because it that was- they buy themselves? They bought themselves, but it's almost like Barry Bonds owning the home run record. You know it's an asterisk. Okay, interesting. Okay, so you, you okay. So I actually want people to, this is bad to say. Starve? Not starve. I want them to struggle. I want them to trip. Yeah. I want them to know what sucking feels like so that way they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and realize what success feels like. Yeah. So you think the nuclear family almost forces that because I expect yeah. to father that way? Yeah. Interesting. It's weird. I'm not trying to be selfish sure. here, but it wants to come out as that. Like, I had... And this is what experience looks like right here, guys. I, I had, I think, I thought it was, I thought it was crazy that my wife wanted to have her mom come and stay with us uh, when we first had our, our child, Lillian. She's like, hey, I'm going to have her come stay with us for a couple of weeks. She lives out of, out of state, right, for everybody listening. And I was like, oh, my God, my mother-in-law, you know, I, I've never really stayed with She never stayed in my house more than, like, three days. I don't know if that's a good idea. Like six weeks, it's a long time, but we have a brand new baby. But then I said, I, I then I was like this. I said, oh my God, what am I going to do with the new baby? Mom, call my mom up. Hey mom, can you come stay with us the week after we have our baby? Because like, you know, Anna's not going to be able to like clean the house. Like I'm starting to like go through all these things that I, like she does that I don't do normally. I'm thinking, man, having a third person would be really helpful. Also, having a mom in the house that's been a mom to help a new mom, hey, you know, providing positive reinforcement with breastfeeding, providing positive reinforcement when the baby's crying, being able to hold the baby and kind of like kind of soothe them a little bit because they've done that, you know, my mom three times, you know, hundreds, you know, tens yeah. of thousands yeah. of times, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I called my mom. My mom's like, yeah, no problem. Takes off work, comes stays with us for I think like 10 days. It was amazing. The stress that I thought I was going to have was gone. 
Then Anna's mom comes into town, stays with us. Stress goes away. Yeah, as soon as Anna, because there was like a two week break between my mom and her mom, it was stressful, you know, brand new baby. And of course, we just had our new little baby. And, uh, you know, we've been doing, of course, by ourselves now at this point with Lillian, our, our first. We're having another baby. Anna's like, hey, I'm going to have my mom come stay with us for, you know, two months because I, I want the help. I got a little Lillian. I just quit my job. I'm full time mom in it. I want the extra help. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Makes sense. So, <clears throat> and, and the amount of stress that I think I could have had would have been a hundred times what I did have mm-hmm. with having a brand new baby in the house. Um, so I can only imagine, and I'm not a very stressful person. I can only imagine for, for some new families and things like that, it could be really stressful. And so when I look at it, when I was reading through this, I saw that, you know, in theory, you know, evolutionarily women are supposed to have a family uh, group around them to help them support them through this whole process of, you know, having young children. I'm like, that makes sense. Like, a hundred percent. Then I've been through it now twice. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I didn't have grandparents. Um, and then I'm, I, I keep on catching myself thinking about having a house where my parents or her parents could live with us already. I'm not saying that I want to do it. I, I don't think I've really told Anna that I even want to do it. And if she listens to this episode, she will be like, let's do it. Guarantee. Cause she's on board. She's on board. She thinks that having uh, the extra family is very, very helpful. And, um, you know, I think in some cultures it makes total sense, and they probably got it right. You know, in Arizona, we have a high Mexican culture, right? Mexican culture, you are staying in the house until you are married. And, you know, grandparents are staying, you're coming back into the house. You know, my dad's, of course, Mexican. Um, I look at that, I'm thinking, man, I'm not saying it's perfect, like, you don't get privacy. It feels a little, like, intrusive almost. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's lots of more fighting and fighting between family members because you're living with them, of course. But I think the pros for an extended family, I I have now, after doing research, I think extended family, better than nuclear. What do you think about that rationality? No, I. <clears throat> it's actually funny. Um, so, guys, I think I mentioned it before, but my wife's an architect, and uh, we recently brought a little piece of property out here in you know a little suburb of arizona and in the drawings that my wife has done there's a casita for in-laws to live there an in-law suite yeah yeah so what the hell <laughs> you yeah. here yeah you you're kind of arguing and kind of forward and against it at the same time but well i am because this isn't easy man like this is Mm-mm. because i don't want I don't want to be misunderstood or misinterpreted here on what I'm supporting. Yeah, I got you. I think extended families and nuclear families are pretty dang close. It just includes a couple additional people. And and the opposite direction is the exact, is worse. Yes. There's like an escalator almost. Yes. If you add people to your family. Good. Great. Like really great. If you subtract people from your family, bad. Really bad. Especially, um responsible figures children you it doesn't matter three five i don't know if that's really in the what i'm saying is responsible figures of a parent yeah thank you for clarifying that okay wrap this, yeah, thing this up. is uh this is one of the more boring ones where we really haven't fought or disagreed that much really no yeah but I, I, <laughs> it's family like you know everyone wants to have more family yeah. it's just one of those things that i think people kind of i don't know if they think about this as often 
No, I don't think they... I'm going to say it's one of these like instant gratifications. People don't really understand because this isn't, this isn't something like, Oh, your mother-in-law just moves in tomorrow. No, this is, this is a little bit more strategic if you will. And, uh, kind of the long game. Like, so long. I know. Cool, man. We're ready. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening. You know, please give us, uh, you know, roast us if you, if you feel see fit either <laughs> over, uh, you know, me not understanding what a breadwinner is or Cody's inability to do math earlier on in the episode. Uh, you know, feel free to kind of give us a hard time on that in the comments. Um, thanks for listening. See ya.